and your support for us over this past year. Uh, I understand that probably not of you, not all of you, know. So I will give you a quick summary of what exactly that we're involved with in Thailand. Uh, I teach at Grace International School. Grace is a school that serves predominantly missionary children. About 95% of our students uh, are the children of missionaries. And last school term, our patrons included families from 37 different nations. Not that they're, they live there, but they're from those nations, right? They're their passport country, so to speak. So families from 37 different countries serving with 95 different organizations, working in more than 12 countries within the 1040 window. So uh, a common perception, a follow-up question to that would be, are your students boarding students? No. Uh, Well, yes and no. About 5 or 10% of our students uh, board there in Chiang Mai with house parents provided by their mission organization, but the most of the students that come to Grace, uh, their parents' work is based there in Chiang Mai. They might do trips out into countries, or their work has reaches into those countries um, just based on, on what they're involved in. One of the challenges uh, for any missionary family living abroad this is what they tell me anyway, is education for their children. So the reason that Grace began back in 1999, which isn't really that long ago, they've been going 20 years now, uh, the reason they, they began was a desire to provide quality education where they're able to keep, be a part of keeping Christian worker, workers' families in their fields of service. So uh, these are families that are committed many of them long-term, you could say, professional missionaries. And uh, so Grace is a part of them being able to do that. Uh, we feel kind of funny around there, honestly, because so many of these families, before they came to Thailand, they were somewhere else. Oh, we came from uh, Ghana, or we were in Bangladesh or Afghanistan. And where are you from? Oh, Ohio, you hear that? Oh, and we've lived there you know, our whole lives. <laughs> So our story just is so boring compared to theirs. Um, something else we've noticed, though, talking about stories, is uh, something we kind of have to get used to is these people do not talk a lot about what they do. It's almost like asking somebody how much money they make in a year or something. Like Even when I ask my students, I, I don't really ask them really up front. I just kind of look for ways to kind of bring it in, but you kind of have to dig a little bit. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, probably a lot has to do with, with privacy and security reasons. Um, the, someone that came from China, a, mission, a long-term missionary in China, told us that there's about 6,000 Chinese spies in Chiang Mai just so they know what's going on and as related to, to China. So uh, the 1040 window is not always friendly. <laughs> um, Thailand and Chiang Mai are pretty uh, open and they're not a lot of a lot of uh, pushback, but so that's always a concern is just uh, information being being out there. But I thought this morning, you know, unless you follow Jenny's Instagram, you might want to see some faces of people that we rub shoulders with and know and love. And so that's what I'm going to start with this morning a bit. If you can go to the first slide. Oh, there they are. Not very clear. But that is Ben and Kate Musselman and their family. They got there about the same time we did, although they had been in Thailand previously. 
They work with Zoe International, which is an anti-trafficking organization. So Mr. Musselman there on the left, he goes undercover and helps with raids. So they're kind of like, if you're familiar with International Justice Mission, IJM, they're kind of like a small version of IGM right there in Thailand. And Sterling is in John and Janine, uh, the two children there in the front left. Uh, they're in kindergarten, so those are Sterling's buddies. And also uh, Darcy, the oldest one there, is in Ellie's grade. So they're, they're uh, good family friends of ours. Next, we have uh, Matt and Alyssa Tingle. Matt is involved with translation work with SIM. SIM stands for like Sudan Interior Missions or something. It started as a uh, in Sudan, but now it's a international mission network. They're in like 70 countries, 2,000 missionaries, huge infrastructure. So there's lots of people from SIM at Grace. Anyway, uh, he works in translation. And Alyssa, she is like, uh, how would you describe her? Networker, like she knows everybody and is like the purveyor of information and knowledge, and <laughs> so she actually helped us get connected with a lot of our a lot of our friends now. All right, next we have Eric and Kristen Franz. Eric is the director of finance at Grace, so he uh, is on the executive leadership team. So that's nice. I have somebody I can kind of, you know, influence. <laughs> That is uh, high in the ranks. Anyway, uh, they met at Stanford University uh, because they were both Christians, and they kind of kind of found themselves bumping into each other in Christian circles. And they actually worked together to form a, a group there at Stanford. So they're very both very educated. We call them our smart friends. Uh, and also, interesting thing here is that. Uh, Kristen and Jenny started this soon after we got there. I'm not sure how it happened, but they started this little friends group where they meet on thir- they call it their Thursday group. They meet and for coffee right at like one o'clock because their house is real close to school and it's just like open for anybody that needs a friend. So Jenny hangs out with uh, half a dozen or so Asian ladies once a week, and that's a highlight for her week. Is that all I should say about them, honey? If there's anything you want to add, just chirp in. No? Okay. Next is Tim and Lisa Cocking and their three daughters. Tim is, uh, his background is piano performance and also a degree in audio engineering. So what does he do? He is the accompanist at Grace. He's amazing. So he, I work with him with both uh, my high school choirs, and then Lisa also is a musician, and she accompanies the middle school choir. <clears throat> middle school choir, excuse me. But Tim's what he does there in Thailand, why he's there, he volunteers for the. Well, I guess everyone's a volunteer, but he's not really an official Grace staff. Uh, he works in audio recording. So missionary does audio recording. Yes, all these organizations need audio audio engineers for their recording projects. He did a lot of the. He also does film scoring writing music for films, a short film, so like the, he works with the Jesus Film Project quite a bit. He'll also take trips to uh, around Asia, like he'll say, hey, I'm not going to be in choir next week because I have a recording project up in, uh, where did he go recently? Nepal. So he, uh, very, very interesting man, excellent musician, and uh, he has a very good ear. All right, next we have... The rights. 
Wine and Megan Wright. His name is Wayne, but he, this, they're from Australia. So he says, hi, my name is Wine. How can I pry for you? So he, he uh, I met him at the staff orientation. We sat at the table next to each other, and I was pretty much his table buddy the entire weekend. And, oh, man, I just came to really appreciate Also work with Megan, she, um, we kind of coped, we both taught 8th grade math, but she taught math, founda- math 8 foundations, which is working with special needs students with math, so we would always every day be talking about our lesson and comparing notes and whatnot. She's a funny, crazy lady. But anyway, I want to tell you, <laughs> don't know if I can get through this or not, but As I kind of already implied, they're, they're very big on prayer. And these two pray like crazy. <laughs> and there was a morning in staff meeting when I was in Wayne's group. And I asked him to pray for our church. <laughs> and I wish he could have all heard Wayne pray. Hebrews 13, don't get your Bibles out, just listen. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can man, what can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. This world is not our home. Or we have no continuing city here as uh, other translations read. And that, I think that verse kind of just summarizes all the, that came before it. Why love each other as brothers and sisters? Because this world is not our home. Why should we be hospitable? Because this world is not our home. Why should we remember those who are being mistreated? Why shouldn't we love money? Why should we be satisfied with what we have? Because this world isn't our home. 
Why can we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper? And why did Jesus suffer and die outside the city gates? Why was he an outsider? Because his world wasn't his home. So why does the writer of Hebrews say here, so let us, let us go out to him. Let us go outside the city gates, outside the camp. Why? This world is not our home. The word home for expats is a weird word. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to make sure I watch my terms. Expat. Expat is short for expatriate. It's a person that does not live in his own country. So when we talk about expats in Chiang Mai, there are lots of them. It just means foreigners, or what the Thais call furong. Furong is Thai for foreigner. I probably mispronounced that. So these people, a lot of my students, their passport might say North Dakota, or their passport might say uh, America. This issued in North Dakota. Have they ever been to North Dakota? Oh yeah, once when I was six, you know, or, you know somewhere. Or that's not really like my my grandparents live. I was actually born in like some other state, and then we were there for a little bit. But they don't really remember that, right? And then they moved to Afghanistan or somewhere, and then now they're in Chiang Mai. So where are you from? Uh, so a way that we ask that is, what's your passport country? <laughs> Please get that out of the way. Right, but this idea of home. So uh, this past, uh, for our last concert this past year, I purposefully explored the theme of home a bit. Sang some of our songs centered around the theme of home. And I, I gave these students a confidential survey. When you think of home, what's the first thing that you think of? And, I would, and also you can draw it or you can write it. I wish you could see all what they, what they drew. But I have three quotes here that are just kind of uh, a pretty good representation of the kind of things that were written. Home is an elusive idea that is just always outside my grasp, it seems. I've experienced what it feels like to belong, to be accepted, to be loved, but I've never experienced these as part of a family. This was written by a student from a broken home, not a missionary family. When I think of the word home, the first picture in my mind's eye is an airplane parked in an airport terminal. So when I read these, I'm like, wow, this, this is kind of horrible. Like, these kids don't have it. About half of them would have written things that I would have written, but about the other half were things like this. And uh, on one hand, it is kind of sad, their perception of home. On the other hand, sometimes I think maybe missionary kids understand that this world is not our home. (laughs) Maybe in in a deeper way. So I've learned a lot this year, and probably still obviously a lot to learn, working with groups, a group of students who are referred to as Third culture kids. I'm just going to quick explain what a third culture kid is. TCK. Third culture kid is a kid who spends a significant amount of his or her developmental years outside his or her passport country as a result, thank you, of the child's parents taking a position in a host country, a foreign country. So, uh, like, Annie, you'd be a TCK, right? And Jared? And that's your TCK for life, right? Yeah, it doesn't stop when you move to Holmes County and live there for how many years now? 
Yeah, too many. <laughs> so you said. <laughs> so I want to introduce you to a couple of my students, TCKs. First one, that's Sam Gillum. He's he's a senior. He just graduated this year. Sam, I don't even know what state he's from. He's in America, but I don't even know what state he's from. And the reason I don't know is because it's not important, because it's not really who he is. When he, he, he told me a story, this is actually the most somebody's ever told me, which is great about Sam. I can always walk up to this guy, and like, he'll, he'll just talk. He's my, my favorite. Teachers do have pets. Um, <laughs> and uh, when he was 12, his family was missionaries in Afghanistan. And he was outside jumping on the trampoline. This is how he told the story. And I was like, man, I have to kind of go to the bathroom. But uh, I could wait. Uh, I'll just go. So he goes inside, goes to the bathroom, reaches for the bathroom door, and the bathroom door, like, disappears, blows away, because outside in the street is a car bomb. And if he had been outside, he would have been gone. His dad was in the U.S. at the time uh, with their mission organization, which is uh, I am... B, International Mission Board, Southern Baptist Mission Board, huge, huge uh, mission organization. So he's the oldest son, and he has a younger brother and two sisters. So you can imagine the, I mean, obviously their, their, their level of what is terrifying is probably lower than ours would be, but uh, because they're used, he said it was common that they would have churches at different spots just based on what was happening in the city and, and unrest and so on, so... That's not really normal life for us. But uh, to have a car bomb blow outside your house and the wall fell in their house and kind of pinned his brother for a little bit and it was just their mom home. So it wasn't long before they were, they had, had to leave the country or they, the board moved them. So they are, they are in uh, Chiang Mai now um, and his dad works in tech services for IMB. So here again... The, I mean, I don't know how to say it bluntly. These people are like professional missionaries, and they like have like everything you can think about needs to be done, right? And so, when you think about missionary, you think of church planting, translation, those kinds of things, humanitarian aid, which that all happens. But it's just funny sometimes, like, oh, you're an audio engineer, and oh, you're a IT, you know, person. What was I going to say about Sam? I finished my story, right? Yeah. So uh, he is going to uh, college this fall, and he, his aspirations are t- engineering, and then also he wants to get a seminary, seminary degree after that. So he wants to go back in the mission field and use uh, engineering along with missions, which is quite needed in developing countries. Big dream, but I think he has what it takes. Uh, next picture. So that's the, my select ensemble, and uh, I want to talk about Pasri Arunmanaku, um, Arunmanaku, over there on the left. She's Thai. She's the only, the only Thai person in this group. And uh, you know that, that uh, idea that we have where if somebody's a Christian, you can just tell by their countenance and their radiance and their smile that they are. You can just tell, right? Well, Pasri blows that thing off, because if you would meet Pastor Reed, you would be convinced she's a Christian. Well, she's not. She's been at Grace since second grade, and she just graduated. She is the life and soul of all the singing groups, because she is so enthusiastic, just loves singing. 
and she has the head knowledge, more head knowledge than probably a lot of our youth, to be a Christian, right? <laughs> the head knowledge of a Christian, I should say. But uh, as with a lot of Thais, to be Thai is to be Buddhist. Like, it's part of the culture. Kind of like, uh, well, where did I hear of it recently where... Yeah, like in persecuted countries, like if you're a Christian, oh, that means you're not really this, you're not really a part of us anymore. You're, you're not really uh, our nationality. You kind of like lost your identity. So for her, it's just, it's just normal. Like I'm Buddhist. So I kind of like, I can't be Christian. I'm Buddhist. I'm Thai. <laughs> you know, so uh, pray for Pastor e. I feel, I think that's a lot of seeds were planted over those many years at Grace, but also maybe in another way it could have inoculated her, right? She's so used to just, having that, that wall of I'm used to being around Christian ideas and thoughts. But um, anyway, a, a student I will never forget. Uh, she was a lot of fun. Uh, Abby Bone in the middle right there. She is going to Union University in Tennessee this fall. She was just emailing me over the, this week because she's uh, trying out for choir, which I highly encourage her to do. She's a great alto, and uh, so she was getting ready for that. And she has been at Grace since she was in kindergarten. Her parents also work for IMB, and they're on the church planting team. And so... TCKs, these are TC, just a small sample of TCKs I work with, or that are my students. Um, so the things about TCKs that they'll tell you that they're strong in is uh, cross cult, building cr- cultural bridges. They're good culture bridgers, right? Because they're used to being around people that are not like them. Uh, they have, usually have good language skills because being exposed to other languages uh, they're usually pretty adaptable, hopefully, <laughs> at this point. And another one is confidence, confidence to start, and that's something I really saw. My students have no fear. Like, let's try that. And, like, if it fails, oh, who cares? Like, move on. They just they have confidence through the roof. What TCKs often struggle with is identity, which you can kind of imagine. But at the same time, I don't really think they, they just, it's just a different kind of identity because, hello, who all of you start, struggle with your identity? And young teenagers, I mean, hello, every, I mean, I've been a teacher a long time and everyone struggles with their identity. So it's not really something that unique, but yet, if you think about in their context, it is. And like I mentioned earlier, you're kind of a TCK for life. So, so you're, oh, I never explained why, it, why it's called third culture. Okay, so... Your parents are from America, right? That's a culture. But is it a culture you've been exposed to, really? Not really, just through your parents, but you don't live in that culture. But now you live in Thailand. Are you Thai? No, you're not Thai. You're not really a part of Thai culture. You're kind of an outsider. So you're an outsider to America, and you're an outsider to Thailand, and so you're just kind of in your own third culture. That's why it's called third culture. Anyway, so these students, going back to the U.S. and going to college, they... Their struggle is real. It's going to be different because if you can imagine being at Grace or in a missionary kid for 12 years and all of a sudden you're at American college, uh, you will need to find some other TCKs probably to survive, <laughs> just uh, to relate to because 
it just affects how you think and view the world. So uh, what I like to try to do at Grace is use choir as a platform within school to, for a place to belong, a place where there's a sense of family, a sense of identity. You know, we're choir, and we do this together, and you belong here. It's fun. Also, another part would be using uh, service ministry opportunities to equip them by, like, stirring their imagination about what it looks like or means to use choral music, in particular, to influence the world. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of what they do at Grace coming in was just, you know, performance-type things. And so uh, my background is not that. My background is singing in youth choirs and college choirs that we would always be singing in churches more as a ministry. So maybe that's why I'm there. I don't know. So that's what we're, going, we're trying to do more of that. Uh, this past uh, year, we did one outing at McKean Hospital. You want to flip to that? So that's a picture of our group we took with the... So McKean Hospital is like this sprawling kind of back-in-the-sticks hospital. They're not really like a conventional hospital. It has like an area where there's a, some leprosy, uh, people that have leprosy that they're treating, and then uh, there's like an old people's home kind of nursing home, which is what this was. Um, and then they have lots of people coming in from other areas that like live there for a few months just for, I don't know, ongoing chronic things that they need healing for. I'm not sure exactly what all is involved in Bikini Hospital. Very cool place. But uh, there you'll see some old folks, and, and over on the left you'll see some uh, younger folks. Those are uh, Burmese refugees that were there for some kind of uh, medical reason, and they told them to come over since we were singing. So, how many of you have sung in a nursing home? If you're a Mennonite, you've sung in a nursing home probably, or if you're from, <laughs> yeah. Uh, these students never sang in a nursing home before. This is the first time they've ever, they've, they've ever sung, and they were kind of blown away, which I liked. <laughs> there was a, I think he's just on the, there was a guy around the end over here, a farang, a foreigner, a white guy, right, that was there. Uh, at the nursing home, and when we were singing uh, Omnia Soul, which is a song, Franklin, you know that one is probably, <laughs> he, his, he just had tears, I didn't know this, but he had tears streaming down his cheeks as we were singing, and my students, Pastor Reed couldn't stop talking about it, he was just like, <laughs> like, wow, I never saw anybody cry when I sang, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So this next year, I'm planning to hope, planning to hope. I'm hoping to make this a regular thing for both choir and uh, choir and the general choir and chanson to go out and do regular ministry things like that, um, and kind of get in my students hopefully a bug for music ministry, um, not just performance. So that was probably my teaching highlight for the year. Uh, this next year. Uh, I'm going to be volunteering. There's a club. It's not an official school sanctioned thing, but it's a club from Grace that goes to Hope House uh, once, a month, once or twice a month. It's an orphanage for children that are generally living, they're living in abject poverty in remote villages in the, in the mountains of Thailand, and they're either orphaned, abandoned, or neglected and have no access to an education. So they bring them to Hope House 
and give them those things. Um, sorry, give them education and and remove them from the risk that they're at. Which, if you if you're an orphan and you're in poverty and you don't really belong anywhere, you are high risk to get trafficked, um, either knowingly or unknowingly. So, next slide, please. So this is a picture of when we were out at Hope House. That all the girls have French braids. There's also boys at this Hope House too. Ages from like five to twenty, I think it was. Uh, next slide. There's that's Ellie right there. Her and some Grace friends are playing a game with some of the kids. So that's uh, an area where I'm excited to be more involved in, and also take my family along when uh, it works. So that, that's pretty much uh, all I have. Um, pray for us as we return. In some ways it's easier because last year when we were up here and getting ready to leave, we had no clue and we were naive and we landed in Chiang Mai with nothing and we kind of had to s- just figure things out. But sometimes it's nice to be naive because you don't know what your battles are. And this time we do. So, like, for me personally, I think I have more fear going back this year than next than I did last year. Just because I know, I know what I'm facing. I know what's going to be challenging. And a part of me just wants to shrivel and sh- lay on the floor in a fetal position and put my thumb in my mouth. Um... We would also love to have some visitors. It's a little tricky, though, because I don't like when I have visitors and I have to go to school and work. Because I'm not like a normal missionary where I can go like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, I'll just carve things out of my school. You know, some missionaries have a pretty uh, <clears throat> nice life. Or I should say they have more autonomy of what they do each day, right? So uh, not this guy. So uh, I don't know. We kind of have this dream of, like, you know, a summer team or something come over. We could put you to, Grace does summer teams. They're moving their campus this past summer. They had teams come over. Or we could even get, like, Lloyd and Mary Ellen. Those are crazy people, like, in a good way. Could make your life flash before your eyes pretty quickly. So, uh, I don't know, just throwing it out there. Uh, it'd be fun to have a group come from, from Holmes County sometime and do something. If you can withstand a 15-hour flight. And if justice can do it, you can do it. And next to him, me. If I can do it, you can do it. Because I'm about like him when it comes to flying, when it gets about the 13th hour. This last year has been very good in a lot of ways and very hard in a lot of ways. Um, We haven't met any missionaries or students or family that we like better than you guys. So... um, where was I going with that? Not sure. <clears throat> oh, I know what I was going to say. But at the same time, think about all the people that we met and that enriched our lives. It's like crazy to think about what if we wouldn't have gone. What if we wouldn't, like, if we delete this last year from our life, we, would, we wouldn't trade it for anything. So I guess I'm saying if your family is thinking about doing something like this, moving overseas, international, 
it's hard, but it is very, very enriching and worthwhile. It seems like Linda could use some help in Africa based on two weeks ago what she was sharing, so maybe somebody should go help her out, throwing that out there. Anyway, well, thank you for listening, and I'm finished, and God's blessings to you.